Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. And then I try this microphone. See, I, I got little green dots that says it's working, you know. I've done all I can, Jay. That's as far as it goes with um I can't hear either. Okay, two people can't hear. Great. Okay. Um okay. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um let's say not a avatar. God, I've got to get that down. All right, test sounds working. Oh, it's working. Hey, eh? it's working. I haven't done anything. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna quibble. I've got to be honest with you. I do Facebook on a computer with like webcam and microphone and stuff. I do Instagram on a phone, and I never have any problems with Instagram. <laughs> never have any problems. Facebook, honestly, I sound. It makes me look like an amateur. Uh, but which clearly anyone who knows me knows that I'm not. I mean, clearly it's, you know, and I think after a few minutes of this broadcast, you'll see how professional it is. So I don't know what went on there. But anyway, we'll just say it's all good. I vowed I wouldn't say, can you hear me? But then I've got to start, you know, you wonder why I say that at the beginning of everyone, because it uh, so often doesn't work. But anyway, don't touch it right. I ain't touching nothing. I'm just going to touch this, which does that which see this is the thing about facebook got the question there on facebook can't do that on instagram yet but hey um when have so this is question number one by the way um when having a breast lift what happens with aging do the scars start to pucker i'm imagining a gathering either side of the scar is this so what i mean is i'm 48 now and i am wondering what will happen in say 10 years time when my skin has aged i've got to be honest um i'm not entirely sure what I can't picture this. The scars puckering. I'm imagining a gathering either side of the scar. Not getting that. 
Am I? I don't really. No, is the answer. The, the scars don't tend to pucker. Maybe they're thinking the scar's really tight and then this breast sort of droops around it and puckers around it. Anyway, the answer is no. Uh, in fact, if anything, in terms of the scarring, aging is good. Aging means the scars settle, means the scars soften. And uh, scars are often quite red, they're often quite firm and they do tend to soften over time the only and and, and fade in color over time so they tend to go skin colored and, and and soften the only thing that i can potentially think of in this gathering thing i can't get my head around the gathering but is potentially if you had a really tethered scar and if it's really tethered deep and the skin around it uh, set uh, drooped if you like or sagged then maybe that could cause some issue but you don't tend to get tethered scarring with a um, a mastopexy with a breast lift because you're not really going deep with the incisions. The only time you get tethered scarring is when the scarring is going deep down to the muscle and deeper. Things like abdominal surgery and what have you when, when you're going down through all the layers of the fat, through the muscle and then into the abdominal cavity, then you might get tethering of the scar down onto that muscle layer or um, uh, down deep onto the fascia so that you get this big dent and then I guess if the tissue sagged around it that might be an issue but that's not an issue with the breast lift so um, no you don't tend to get puckering uh, breast lift is in terms of the scarring only gets better with time now the cosmetic result is another thing because your breast will sag or droop over time with gravity that is going to happen so just the fact you've had a breast lift doesn't mean that you're not going to have um, potential for drooping over time but what it does mean is you're restored to a better place and um, and so the sagging and drooping isn't as bad as it would have been if you had not had the surgery so the surgery is uh, good from that from that point of view but it's important to be aware that you may still well you will still age over time right so I think that's um, I think that's quite clear it's working now, working, working. All is good. Don't touch it. Joanne's got a question. Good one. Nice, Joanne. Can I get that? I thought I could get that question on the screen. Oh, good God. I'm sure. Show. There you go. Show. Yeah. Yeah. See, I told you I know what I'm doing. Hashtag ask JJ. Like your style. Um, do you recommend hibis scrub before surgery and for breast augmentation? Do you recommend the use of compression socks afterwards? Very good. No and yes. So I do not recommend hibis scrub before surgery. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I don't think many people do. I mean, there's hibis scrub is a is a sort of um, is an antiseptic uh, wash that we often you know we use to uh, it's chlorhexidine. We use it to wash our hands when we're doing surgery. Um, but no, it's not really something that's necessary. I think um, as long as you wash normally before surgery um, we will prep uh, your skin before the surgery so we will wash with antiseptic your uh, skin um, but I don't think there's any evidence that I know of to say that you need to wash yourself in hibis scrub pre-op I don't think there's any benefit in doing that that I know of so um, nope I don't do that never have done that and uh, for a breast augmentation during the compression socks, yes. So compression socks is after any surgery, really. It's a thing for DVT. So you often have flight socks, you know, same sort of things uh, to prevent DVT. Now, breast augmentation is not 
a high risk for DVT because it's quite a short procedure. It takes about an hour, but nevertheless, there is a risk there. So you, you do wear compression socks, but anytime there is a risk of DVT in terms of any immobility of which uh, obviously there's immobility when you're lying in surgery, then um, the main thing I say to people is to walk and to move. So keep your ankles moving, keep your hips moving, your bum, you know, keep taking deep breaths and basically get up and walking as soon as you can. That's really the best thing for DVT. Um, compression socks are good as well, but walking is good and moving about is good. So, yep, very nice, very nice, Joanne. Nice early ask JJ in there. Very impressed. Uh, what do we got? What have we got? I'll tell you what we've got. We've got a photo. Right. Why is my birthmark not suitable for surgery? So, uh, I can show this. What? Why is it? Oh, it's okay, guys. It's okay. I'm sure I saved it. Right. Um, uh, I'm sure I had it on. Okay. Um, so I'm going to show Oh, dear. This is right. That's the birthmark on on uh, Facebook. I'm hoping Instagram's still there. While I I just went away there. I don't know if you noticed Instagram to try and get. Are you having a laugh? To try and get the photo on Instagram. The other photos come. Okay. Um, this is how you tell the professionals how they cope when things don't quite quite according to plan. Um, no, I don't want to post it on Instagram. I just want to. Um, so. Okay, anyway. It's a photo of a birthmark on a cheek Instagram. I'm really sorry about this Instagram. I, I There's another photo coming in a minute and it is saved on my phone, but this photo hasn't saved. So um, I'm not, I've got to be honest, I was really excited. I was really excited about showing this photo and I can't, anyway, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Uh, Um, right, we're gonna have to go old school on it. The other one, I'm going old school. I'm going old school Instagram. Can you see it? Can you see it? <laughs> Is it good to do that? I don't think it's good to do that, is it? It's a bit rubbish. Can you see it? It's just a dark mark on the cheeks like that. I don't know if you can see it. Anyway, I don't know what I've done now. I'm trying to show a photo. I can't show a photo. Thank you. See you on the table in 35 days. Oh, Joanne. Yeah. Joanne, the, oh, the surgery's fine, okay? So don't worry about this. Don't let this put you off, okay? Um, all this Facebook Live stuff. Okay, just... I'm fine with the surgery, all right? It's just the Facebook Live with all the photos and stuff is a little bit of an issue. But, um, yeah, 35 days, count. I'm counting the days. I've got them on the on the calendar. 
Insta is paused. Oh my God, Insta is paused. Is it, I was messing about with the photos, Instagram. Are you paused? Um, I was trying to show you the photo. Anyway, it's just a dark mark on a sheet like this. And this birthmark um, is showing on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, guys, um, this, no, so it's not paused. I'm assuming no means it's not paused because if it was paused, you wouldn't have written no, would you? So it's fine. So um, yeah, so it's a dark mark on the cheek. Um, and the reason this is not suitable for surgery is because the only thing surgically that that I could do for this would be cut it out. And if I cut it out and give a big scar, there's no question that is going to be more obvious than the than the um, than the birthmark. So it's just a slightly bit of uh, hyperpigmented skin. So the skin is a little bit darker than the surrounding skin. So actually, it's quite subtle. It's flat. It's not raised. It's not dented. So. You, when you're taking bits of skin away, you've got to think, am I going to do something better by taking this bit of skin away? And I've got to be honest, in this instance, I think the answer is no. I don't think it would be better by, by cutting that out um, because I think there is a lot of good things about that birthmark. It's not too obvious. It's flat. As I say, the, the pigmentation isn't uh, isn't significant. Um, I don't know if there's anything non-surgical that would be appropriate. It would be something that I think would be worth talking to someone about. I mean, there are things like depigmentation agents, um, which are things that can take some color out of the skin. Uh, you have to be a bit careful because you obviously have to take just the right amount of pigmentation out. Because if you take too much out, then it goes pale and it's hard to give it back again. So it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. But in a way, it's good that it's a tricky one because it's not the, the birthmark's not too obvious. So look on the focus on the positives, and um, I don't think surgery will be will be a good way to go. Instagram, I can only apologise you can't see this photo, but you're going to see the next one, guys. So hang on, okay? Hang on. If you've got a cup of tea or something, don't go yet because there's another photo coming. All right. So I can tell you're excited. Um, so uh, I should perhaps leave it till later to show this photo. photo because yeah maybe i should i was watching you know it's all marketing techniques you know did you see um megan last night as soon as it started i'm not going to tell you the sex of the baby until um my husband comes later on you know keeps you there i'm learning i'm learning so i've so I say to Instagram, stay, because there's another photo coming. I should have probably done a photo later, but it is actually the next question. So anyway, stay till now, because there's a photo coming, guys. Now, Facebook are used to the photos coming. So why is my tattoo not suitable for surgery? So I'm just going to show that on Instagram. So why is now, how's that, Instagram? What do you say about that? Hmm? That's what I'm talking about. That is the sort of thing we want, yeah? So why is my tattoo not suitable for surgery? So the two things about tattoos are the size and the location. So a big tattoo in a good location might be suitable for surgery. And a small tattoo in a bad location might not be suitable for surgery. So you can do a big, like, big thing on the tummy because there's loads of spare skin. You can cut it out. Um, so it's size and location. It's not just size. You can't really say a tattoo of this size is suitable or this size is not suitable because it depends on the location. So this is actually a very small tattoo. It's just a little tattoo on the finger. Um, 
but the location is really bad. The skin on the finger is really, there isn't a huge amount of laxity in the skin on the finger. And if we choose to cut anything out of the finger, we would cut it out in an up-down direction. We would give you a scar in an up-down direction so that when you make a fist, you're not pulling that scar apart. You're not putting tension on the scar because this is the problem. A lot of things, and particularly on the hand, people often say, oh, I've got loads of spare skin. Look at all this spare skin I've got on my hand. And you're like, yeah, but you've got spare skin on your hand because your hand needs to move. You know, as soon as you make a fist, all that spare skin goes. You know, you've got spare skin there, but you haven't got spare skin there. So you've got, you've got to make a fist. You've got to move. And uh, same with the finger. The finger has to move. So you worry you would take it out in a side to side direction on the on the finger if you were choosing to make a scar. So when you have things like tattoos, you can't really choose the orientation of the scar because this tattoo is clearly orientated um, in a sort of horizontal way rather than a longitudinal way. And so you would have to make the scar that way. And two four problems with that. One, the laxity is not as much in an up down direction. So although it's you might say it's tiny, you would really struggle to close that. You know, you would really struggle to close that. That would be really tight. Uh, and that would be really tight with a hand like that. Uh, that would be a really tight closure. I don't know if you would get it all out. There seems to be some letters. I don't know if it's a word or if there's some letters which are slightly longer than others. And, and certainly uh, towards the end, there's a, there's a sort of L or something. And that might not all come out. So you might end up with a scar with a bit of ink on either side. But the other worry is that scar will be under tension. So the worry is that when you make a fist, that scar will sort of potentially pull open. So you'd have to be really careful. So, you know, it's often the case that it's not necessarily not suitable for surgery, but surgery wouldn't necessarily be high up on the list of options. And sometimes we do take things out which are not suit. Well, maybe not suit. Maybe not not suitable. Double knot may be suitable. Not not suitable, that's suitable then. Sometimes we take things out that are suitable. No, we always take things out that are suitable. Sometimes we take things out that are not not suitable. Um, anyway, sometimes we take things out that are not suitable, yeah, uh, that may not be suitable for surgery. But I would always say, to be honest, if with all tattoos, I would always say, is anyone there? I lost I would always say laser first, and I'm going to say it for this one, laser first, because this would be really tight, uh, quite uncomfortable, and also um, potential for wound to dehiscence, wound breakdown. So for those reasons, this is not a great uh, example of a tattoo that would be suitable for surgery. I'm, a, I'm sorry to say, and I know that's disappointing to hear, um, but I would go with laser first and see how that goes. Because if laser works, then it's the it's uh, it's usually the best way to do it. So I'm just going to get rid of the um, right, just get rid of the picture there. Yeah. And um, so Anna's confused. What are you confused? <laughs> I don't blame you, Anna. Is it about the not not suitable? Don't worry about that. Basically, what I was saying is sometimes you do things which may not be ideal for surgery if patients have tried laser or are really desperate you might say given you know given all the things i've just said that it'd be really tight and it might work break down you know you could cut them out i think that's what i was trying to say anna but um do you know what i put these i don't know why i put i don't know why i 
I put myself through this, Anna, because I put these on um, YouTube. We, we, we chunk them up and put them on YouTube. And honestly, the comments I get really, it really, <laughs> you know, terrible waffling, you know, go to three minutes 14 for the answer because he's waffling, you know, honestly. And uh, God help us, if we put this one on YouTube with a not not suitable, that'll be, we'll cut that out on the edit, though, I think, you know, because uh, I don't, I can't, I can't be doing this, uh, you know, negativity. So, um, yeah. Um, right, let's get on to some of this, shall we? What a bit of this. I, if I wanted my implants removed, could I still have a natural breast lift? The other thing I've been told off about on YouTube is commenting on comments while I'm answering the questions. So I've got to be mindful of that. I've got to be responsive to feedback. So what I'm going to try and do now is maybe not look at the comments and just answer the question and then maybe look at the comments because I, I can't. It's probably all right in a live Q and A, but on a replay, it probably looks a bit odd. If you want to know the answer to the question, and I keep on saying, "What? Uh, not paused? Hey, eh? what? I'm confused." So anyway, so I'm trying, trying to be better, trying to be a better man, aren't we all? So uh, that's all you can do. Um, if I wanted my implants removed, could I still have a natural breast lift? What is a not sure what a natural breast lift is? Um, it's the word natural that's. Uh, throwing me off on it. If it just said, if I wanted my implants removed, could I still have a breast lift? Definitely, yeah. I mean, the thing about removing implants is that the implants have added volume to your breasts and that have therefore stretched the skin. And so your breasts don't go back to how they look before you had the implants. So it's something to sort of bear in mind, I guess, if you're having implants, especially if you're having big implants, that those implants are gonna stretch the skin. So if one day you had decided to have them removed, your breasts won't look like how they look now they will look like how people look when they have preg get pregnant when the breasts get big and then small or lose weight the breasts get big and then small those both those things stretch the skin and so that makes them droop slash sag slash require a, a breast lift so having breast implants especially large breast implants for any period of time uh, can have the same effect and can make the breast droop if you were then to have those implants removed. So it's something to be aware of. And uh, I often say, I mean, obviously it depends on a case-by-case -case basis, but my advice is often to see what you think, you know, because it's quite a big undertaking to have a breast lift. So often I would say, look, why don't you take the implants out, see how you go, the skin might recoil, you might be happy. But sometimes people say, look, I'm not going to be happy. Um, I know I'm not going to be happy. And so in that case, when you do a breast uh, implant removal, you can do a breast lift at the same time. So that is perfectly reasonable to do a, um, a breast lift at the same time as implant removal. A natural breast lift, not sure what that means in terms of a natural breast lift. A natural breast lift, does that mean non-surgical breast lift? Or does that mean just natural looking? Or does that mean like some kind of, I don't know. I don't know what natural breast lift is. I need a bit of... I'd need a bit of context for that. Um, but breast lift often gives you a normal, natural shape. And that is one of the, in a way, one of the limitations of breast lift, to be honest with you, um, because whilst it's quite full to start with, it settles to what I would say is a more natural shape, a bit of concavity in the upper pole. And uh, I always stress to people that that is the case, because when they're having a lift, 
I think they might think they're going to be stay up there, but they're acted on by gravity. So they often settle to what I would say is a natural shape. So I'm going to say that's what that question means. I'll still have a natural breast lift. So yes, you can still have a natural breast lift once you've had your implants removed, either at the time of implant removal or at a later date. So look, I haven't, I've seen stuff going on, on Instagram, but I haven't said anything because I didn't answer that question. So what's going on here? Surgeon source, hey JJ, me and you need to do a joint live to discuss your belly buttons. There you go, discuss my belly buttons. I'll discuss my belly buttons anytime. Yes, very happy to discuss my belly buttons. Uh, very important part of abdominoplasty belly button. You know, let's not underestimate it. It's one of the things about plastic surgeons. We do tend to make a big deal about little things. And I think other surgeons probably think, you know, we're a bit, you know, a bit funny because like they're busy like taking stomachs out and, you know, doing all big things. And we're like, fiddling about with, you know, belly buttons and earlobes and nipples and, you know, spending ages trying to do little tiny things. And it, it, I've got to be honest with you, it isn't one of my things, a belly button uh, with a tummy tuck. Yeah, I think it's really important. I spend a lot of time on it and I do it in a particular way. Um, so, yes, thank you. And uh, always happy, always happy to, dis to discuss my belly buttons. Uh, there's quite a lot written about belly buttons, you know, quite a lot of papers on it. So um, you'd be surprised. So including mine, obviously, but yeah, there's quite a lot of others as well. Um, yeah, what's that? Hands up, Capreen. Yeah, hands up. My BB is perfect. Thank you, JJ. We've got a perfect BB on Instagram, guys. Uh, it's official in black and white. Um, what is going on here? What is this? Can't wait to see my final result. Steady on, Cat. You gotta wait. You gotta give time. Got to give it time. Now, I am talking at least six six months, 12 months. But yeah, it takes time for that scar, especially scar a bit, bit tight around the belly button. So it takes time getting there, get that smudging. Uh, Lowry J22. Oh, hold on a minute. I'll put a question up here. Let's, let's do the Instagram one. What determines a mini tummy tuck or a full tummy tuck, please? Also, who needs the muscle repair? Okay, good. Linked questions there, Lowry. Linked questions. So uh, very straight. Or not straightforward, but very sort of clear the difference, you know, a mini and a full tummy tuck. So a mini tummy tuck, as far as you're concerned, Lowry, is less than a full tummy tuck. So a lot of people, when you talk about mini tummy tucking, say it's less scarring, uh, less downtime, less cost, less complications. You'd be like, yeah, I'll have a mini. Thank you very much. But also less of a result. See, that's the thing, because less skin is removed. The reason people need a tummy tuck is they've got too much skin. The skin has been stretched by something, usually pregnancy or weight loss. Those are the two things that usually do it. Same for breast lift, you know, same for a facelift, same for most body contouring surgery. The skin has been stretched by by something. And the classic for a tummy tuck is a, is a pregnancy or, or weight loss. Uh, and so you've got too much skin. So you need to remove that skin. So the whole concept of short scar or minimal scar body contouring is difficult to reconcile because a lot of body contouring remains rem, involves removing skin and tightening that skin and so um, a mini tummy tuck is a shorter scar so i don't know if you've got a cesarean scar but if you if you know where a cesarean scar is a mini tummy tuck is the same place as a cesarean scar but slightly longer and that's it. That's the only scar that you get. And what you do with a mini tummy tuck is you take that bit of tissue above where the cesarean section scar is, which is basically the top of the level of your pubic hair. And you take a sort of wedge 
a sort of melon slice of, of, of skin and fat above that to tighten the lower abdomen. So you tighten the abdomen from the belly button down. So a mini tummy tuck only really works on the bit of the abdomen from the belly button down. It tightens if you've got a bulge below your belly button. Uh, and it's often the case that people have a tethered cesarean section scar, a bulge above it, and uh, and a mini tummy tuck will address that. Um, but it doesn't really address anything to the sides, and it doesn't really address anything above the belly button, because you can't get it above the belly button, because the belly button is a fixed point. So you're only removing a little bit of a uh, tissue below the belly button. I've got to be honest with you, there's not... The, well, the majority of people are candidates for full tummy tucks rather than mini. A full tummy tuck is a scar in the same place, so where a cesarean section scar is, but it's much longer. It goes from hip to hip. So it's a much longer scar, therefore much more of the abdomen. So you can go right much right further out to the sides with a full tummy tuck. And also a full tummy tuck takes all of the skin from that that place where the cesarean scar is from the top of your pubic hair to above your belly button. It takes all of the skin from your, 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 your pubic hairline to above the belly button. All that skin gets removed. And so you make a cut around the belly button, you take all that scar, that, that skin away, then you pull the skin that goes from your, your uh, rib cage to your belly button. So that's all the skin that's left, the skin that from the rib cage to the belly button, because all the skin from the belly button down has gone. So that skin that goes from the rib cage to the belly button then gets pulled down. And, and meets this, the, the incision at the bottom. And then you make a hole in that skin and then the belly button pops back out again. So your belly button doesn't get removed. It just, you cut around it, it drops inside, you close the skin, make a hole in the skin and then it pops out again. And uh, so therefore you have a scar around the belly button as well. So there's no scar around the belly button when you do a mini tummy tuck. So that's how you tell the difference. A mini tummy tuck has got a longer scar on the lower abdomen and also a scar around the belly button. No scar around the belly button for a full, uh, for a mini because you're not going anywhere above the belly button. Now, this uh, who needs a muscle repair? Now, part of the having children or having weight loss is putting attention on the abdomen and the abdominal musculature and the uh, rectus abdominis muscles, which is your six pack, are two muscles which go straight down uh, the middle. And sometimes when you have children or you you have a, put, put on weight, you interact, you have a lot of intra-abdominal fat, and those muscles play a part. And uh, people talk about repairing the muscles. You're not really repairing them. They're not damaged the muscles are usually fine but they're just a bit far apart and you can tell this by lifting your head and shoulders up off the bed or doing a straight leg raise both of those will tense that rectus abdominis muscle and if you put your hand above your belly button and feel for a gap between those muscles when you when you tense them uh, or sometimes you can see it if you lift your head up you can see a gap so that is what repairing the muscle involves and it's for people who've got a gap that, that, that you repair it. Now, you might not know you. So who needs the muscle repair? You know, no one needs it. Who needs a tummy tuck? No one needs it. But, you know, you can live with excess skin in your abdomen. You can live with the muscles apart. But you might not like the bulge there. You might not know there's there. it's there. So if you don't know it's there, then you don't need anything done. But to be honest with you, most people having a tummy tuck do have some degree of uh, of repair of the, the muscles or bringing the muscles together again. We call it repair. We shouldn't really call it repair. It's bringing those muscles closer to, to the together again. So um, people sometimes refer it to as a hernia. It's not a hernia. It's actually called divarification of the recti muscles or diastasis recti. Those are the official terms for it. But basically what it means is the recti muscles uh, a, a, a bit further apart than we would like. And we can just use a stitch to bring them back together again. 
So, and that can only be done with a full tummy tuck because you're getting above the belly button because you're coming around the belly button and dissecting all the way up to the rib cage. With a mini tummy tuck, you're only doing a limited dissection in the lower abdomen. So you can't really repair those muscles with a mini tummy tuck. Someone might pull me up on that. I hope there's no plastic surgeons out there um, because you, you, there, there, is a, there is a thing where you can sort of, you can sort of try and repair the muscles with a mini tummy tuck. So thought I should put a little star there saying you can't repair the muscles because there is a thing where you can. But I've got to be honest with you, I found it extremely difficult. Um, you, you've got to work, float the umbilicus. You've got to cut underneath the umbilicus and try and get up there from this incision down the bottom. I found it very hard personally. So in my hands, should we say, you can't repair the muscle with a mini tummy tuck. But um, anyway, I think there are people out there who get these retractors and go guddling out and try and go up there. But the problem with floating the umbilicus is then you can't have a, a full tummy tuck later on because obviously you cut round it and just fall off. Um, sorry. <laughs> Talking about waffling, I probably waffled too much there. But Lowry says thank you, so I'm fab. So I did all right. So uh, stop waffling. No waffling, straight to the point, guys. Not messing about. Tracy, why do we need our belly buttons? We don't, Tracy. We don't need our belly buttons. Why don't we just hide it and pull the skin right down so we don't have any more? We absolutely, Tracy. You can just throw it in the bin, and if you're doing a what we would call a toilet procedure. So someone who's got a huge abdominal apron, who's very ill, <clears throat> who's maybe not having trouble breathing, you know, really in a, in a bad way and needs it for health reasons. They have rashes and intertrigo in the fold and very difficult nursing and things. So in those situations where you're just taking that abdominal apron, so-called apronectomy, you may well just throw it in the bin and just forget about guddling and trying to fix, you know, repair the belly button stuff. So it's perfectly reasonable to just throw the belly button away, Tracy. It is purely cosmetic, Tracy. So we don't need our belly buttons. They served the purpose when we were attached with the umbilical cord um, when we were when we were in the womb. But ever since then, we have not needed them and we don't need them. And you will live a long and happy life without one. And um, I have had, yeah, I've had someone I'm just thinking about it now who wanted them removed. You know, sometimes you <laughs> you can remove them basically. So, and sometimes they can die when you do a tummy tuck. That is a risk when you do a tummy tuck. The belly button can die. Um, now you can reconstruct belly buttons, but um, but you know it doesn't sort of matter apart from the cosmetics of it. The abdomen might look a bit not quite right without belly button, but it's purely cosmetic, Tracy. Purely cosmetic is the answer. So, uh, yeah, I do think that it frames the abdomen and, you know, I do think, you know, at the end of the day, abdominoplasty is usually a cosmetic procedure. It's not that sort of toilet one that I was talking about with people with large aprons. It's usually a cosmetic procedure. People who want to feel good and look good in, you know, in, in sort of, um, swimwear and things. So, um, I think most people are, are, you know, want it because if you walk down the beach and you didn't have a belly button, people might think. But uh, yeah, uh, not essential, not essential at all, and um, you know, absolutely fine not to have it. I, um, I've seen people talk about an internal bra with a reduction. Is this something you offer? If not, why don't you offer it? That's a bit aggressive. Bit aggressive, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've seen people talk about it too. I did a blog post on it a while ago. 
Google Styano internal bra. You'll find it. Um, yeah, not just with a reduction, but also with a lift. So basically a reduction and a lift are the same operation, although a reduction removes volume, whereas a lift does just remove skin. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the lift um, uh, and the, how it settles to a natural shape, a natural lift. I think a lift does tend to settle to a natural shape. But what I mean by that is less fullness in the upper part of the breast. Very People mean different things by natural. So it's one of the important parts of the job is to get a handle on what someone means by natural because pretty much everyone, most people, uh, say they want to be natural. Very occasionally you'll get someone says, I don't want to be natural. I want to be enormous. You know, very occasionally. Most people say they want to be natural. But people mean different things by natural because I'll show them photos and I think, oh, they look a bit droopy. I'm like, yeah, but they're natural. That's what natural breast looks like. Looks like, and they're like, "Yeah, but I don't want to be that now. I want to be a bit fuller up here." And like, okay, that's fine. You don't want to be crazy full. Uh, you don't want to be crazy fake, but you want to be a bit fuller. So a bit. That's why a while ago, that's the other thing. Ages ago, I did a blog. I thought it would take off. Genuinely, I thought this was it. I thought I am made. I did a blog, and I and I and I uh, introduced the the term the supernatural. Huh? See what I've done there? The supernatural breast augmentation, saying how people say they want to be natural, but they actually want a little bit more fullness up there, not so much as maybe a, an extra high-profile implant, but maybe sort of the moderate high-profile round implants, which give a bit more fullness than the low-profile and the teardrop implants. And so I thought, supernatural, yeah. I was really happy with that. Um, was not a goer. Was not a goer, as you can probably tell, because you never heard of it, have you? I could say, I first coined the supernatural breast augmentation that was me but it didn't take on i spoke to some um well i say some and uh journalist and i said look i got this you know supernatural breast augment she's like nah just sounds a bit like witchcraft and things you know i'm like what about the vampire facelift that, that came on that tape took off i mean the vampire facelift is worse than the supernatural breast augmentation isn't it I could be the known for the guy that does the supernatural breast augmentation. Anyway, no use crying over smelt, spilt milk. Um, right. Um, oh, God. This is what we're talking about, waffling. Uh, internal bra. So, yes. So you've got to be careful and you've got to be clear about what you mean by natural. So, and that's why I'm quite, I, I don't go to lengths to show people photos before and afters of people who've, who've had breast reduction to give you an idea of what sort of shape you can achieve with a breast reduction. Because whilst it's quite full to start with, supernatural even, um, it settles. It settles to a more of a concavity in the upper pole, out of a bra. And again, make it clear, these are the photos that I show are out of a bra. So when you take your bra off, you do get that settling and you do get a concavity in your upper pole with a breast reduction and a breast lift. If you want sustained fullness in the upper pole, if you take your bra off and you want it to stay fuller in the upper pole, if that's the shape you want, if you want that supernatural shape, only available here, no, available anywhere, but anyway, um, you cannot get that with, with your own breast tissue. And that is one of the huge limitations of mass defects and breast reductions. The volume doesn't stay, and we're always looking for ways to keep the volume up there because people do often want a bit more volume up there. They don't want it to set, they don't want a concavity. They want a little bit of either flatness or convexity in the upper pole. And um, 
And so, especially if they're having a breast lift, they're like, hold on a minute, I don't want it to settle, I want it to stay. And that is the problem with breast lifts and, and breast reductions. And that is what, it, it, maybe not the holy grail, but it's a huge thing that we're trying to, trying to address and lots of people have tried to address. And the internal bra has been around for a long, long time. And that's what the internal bra is trying to do. The internal bra is some kind of mesh, some, some kind of prosthetic material that goes into the breast to hold the tissue up, to support the tissues, and to hold it up, and to stop it from uh, settling, from to, to keep it up there. And that is, um, in, in theory, a very good thing. And in principle, if someone said, I've got this thing and it keeps it, I'm like, oh, thank goodness for that. Hallelujah, you've solved the problem that's been around for ages. In practice, there are some issues with it, in my view. Now, I don't do it, so you could argue that I'm biased, so you should get a balanced opinion and talk to someone who does do it. I'm not, oh, to be honest, I don't know anyone who does it, but there probably may be some people who do do it. Um, and the issues with it are, number one is prosthetic material, so a bit like an implant is prosthetic material. So you've got to be a little bit careful when you're using prosthetic material. When you're using prosthetic material, which means basically not host, it's like a foreign body, you know, you're putting a foreign, foreign material in there. If you get an infection in that material, you have to remove it because the infection is cured by giving you antibiotics which travel in your bloodstream. And the foreign material doesn't have a bloodstream. An implant doesn't have a bloodstream. So um, if you're talking about something like a breast implant, you know, they're usually relatively simple to remove. It's a bit of a disaster, no, no doubt it, it is. But you know they're relatively simple to remove. If you've got a mesh or some kind of device in there which has embedded itself in the skin to hold the breast up, it can be a little bit difficult to, to remove. I say it can be, I never have done it. So that's why don't listen to me. That's my worry. I would worry that would be a bit of a nightmare to have to remove it. So uh, that's number one thing. Number two thing is you've got to anchor it to something because if it's not anchored to anything that's going to stay, it's just going to droop with everything else. So you've got to anchor it to something that's not going to move. So you usually anchor it to the bone, so to the ribs. And you can get a bit of complications with that. You can get pain. Uh, you can get it pulling out and then drooping. So uh, there are not there are there are issues of of the breast drooping, drooping even despite it, and also uh, concerns regarding the infection. And also it's it's a bigger operation because you often have to do a lot more dissection in order to get the mesh in to get the internal bra in. So I don't offer it. I don't think it's quite there yet in terms of the risk profile versus the benefits in my view but the thing about plastic surgery it is very subjective and the surgeons will all have their own views and there may be someone out there who does do it uh, and so you're probably better off talking to them to get a, a, a sort of a, probably a better opinion quite frank um because they've been doing it and they can tell you the pros and cons of it um but that's the reason i don't do it and i don't offer it and to be honest as i say i don't really know many people who do it hasn't really caught on Although, as I say, the principle is brilliant, but I think in practice, it's not quite there yet, in my, in my view. Tracy Bell, can you give breast implants a stitch to keep projection? Now, breast implants normally don't need um, uh, to, to stay in place. Breast implants norm normally don't move. Now you can get breast implants moving, obviously, and you're descending and migrating and bottoming out and all sorts of things you hear. But that's a complication of a breast implant. So ideally, if you make the pocket right in the first instance, 
then ideally you don't get problems with breast implants. Now, back in the day, they did used to make them with little tags on them that you could actually put a stitch in to um, to keep them. But they don't make them like that anymore. So they haven't got any, you know, you wouldn't put a stitch in it because you would pierce the shell and then it would, um, you know, compromise the integrity of the shell. So you don't do that. As I say, they did in the day have a little tag, tab on them. But actually, if you make your pocket right and you position your implant right, it's just going to stay there. Um, that's what I mean about having sustained fullness in the upper pole. Implant will just stay there. Um, but uh, and then in terms of malposition, if implants are not right, it can be difficult to treat those problems if the pocket's been made too big and you get a missing mastia or bottoming out or something like that. But uh, that's where polyurethane implants really do come in because polyurethane implants do stay where you put them. So they're very good in those situations. But um, but yeah, they don't make those little tabs anymore. So no, you can't put a stitch in a breast implant to keep projection. Uh, nice thought though, Tracy, and it has been thought of by the companies before. So believe it or not, two photos, you know, not much waffling, I think you'll agree. And, um, you know, some internal bra type lift questions. And that's me out. I'm out of questions now, full disclosure. Um, it's 7.48, so we should still be able to get the second episode of Antiques Road Trip, although I can hear that someone's watching television next door. So if they're watching YouTube, I'm not going to be happy because, you know, I do this. I norm I'm normally 7 till 8 and 8 till 9 on Antiques Road Trip. But... Um, Obviously, I forsake that on a Tuesday night for this because clearly this is far more important. So if but if you've got any questions, we've got 12 minutes before Antiques Road Trip second uh, starts. But if not, I might go and watch the auction of the first episode of Antiques Road Trip. Unless anyone's got any questions, I'd be happy to ask them. Okay. Oh, hold on. Tracy. <laughs> Tracy's in. Oh, Jackie says, Jackie, what a staunch supporter, Jackie. Oh, I was going to try and wave at you, Jackie, but that wasn't a wave. Thank you, Jackie, because you are a store. You are single-handedly keeping the numbers up. Not single-handedly with all the others, but that is very... Thank you, Jackie. Tracy's come in with a last-minute one. Good one. I have implants, and having them changed and having a reduction with smaller implants, can my pocket be made smaller? Yes, it can, uh, Tracy. Yes, indeed. So I said to you, if you have a problem with the pocket, so obviously your pocket it will be bigger if you're downsizing your implants. Um, polyurethane implants are really good, but you don't have to get a polyurethane implants. You can stay with silicone implants. So if you do have a pocket, uh, pockets too wide or too high, or if you're just downsizing, you can close down those pockets. Absolutely, Tracy. And you can use, um, well, not you, the doctor, can use um, long, you usually do a, a limited capsulotomy, assuming you haven't got a significant capsule, because if you've got a significant capsule, uh, they might do a total capsulectomy. But assuming the capsule's not really hard, then um, the, the capsule being the scar tissue that forms around the implant, if the capsule is not really hard, then they'll probably do a limited capsulectomy to sort of take that bit of capsule out and then stitch the pocket down to um, to make the pocket smaller. And you would normally, or you, I would normally sort of focus on the lateral aspect of it to try and maximise the cleavage area. Um, but yes, that's absolutely fine, Tracy, to, uh, to, to close those pockets down. And no, they wouldn't be able to stitch the implants themselves. But if they make the pocket the right size for the implant, which is what you um, always aim to do, particularly with silicone implants, then that should be fine. So yeah, closing the pocket down will be absolutely fine. Good question, Tracy. Glad I stayed on for that. Wouldn't want to leave you hanging with that one. Liz has come in with an Ask JJ. So 
you know, big yourself up, Liz. You've got yourself an ask JJ there. When having a TT, tummy tuck, that is, uh, sometimes the scar is so low it's on the pubic line. Are ingrowing hairs likely to cause infections? You can get problems with um, uh, the hair growth because it can interrupt the hair growth. And uh, you can get problems with the stitches causing infections, localized infections early on. So uh, obviously the good thing about putting uh, a scar in a sort of hairline is that it's more hidden. But the bad thing is, yes, potentially in terms of localized infections with the uh, hair follicles, there is an issue. Um, but on balance, I think it would be better to put it in a uh, in a hairline. We try not to get, well, I try not to go too low into the hairline because you want to take where the, redund the redundant skin is normally higher than that and you want to take the maximum amount of redundant skin. So you don't want to go right down into the hairline because obviously the lower you go with the lower incision, the lower you can go with the upper incision, if that makes sense. There's a certain amount you can take out. You can't just sort of take. So you've got to be a bit careful because you've got to be able to close it. And the paradox is someone who hasn't got as much skin on their abdomen you know if they haven't got a huge amount of laxity your scar might be a bit higher because you've got to go above the belly button for a full tummy tuck that's fixed so if you can only take if you can take less fat out the lower incision is going to be higher if that makes sense i don't know if i'm losing you on that but um so you don't want to go too low is my point you want to take where the lax the redundant skin is but uh, fair point about the localized infections if going through hair follicles but it's not normally a big problem um, uh, uh, localized, localized sort of mini-like infections. You don't normally need antibiotics and things. It's not uncommon with that adenoplasty, um, but mainly also because of the uh, dissolvable sutures we use, which can cause little bits of localized problems. But it's not normally a big deal. And as I say, it probably be better to get the uh, the scar hidden. Blimey, we've got another question here. Look at this. We've had a, we've had a run on. Do Jade? Do breast implants need to be replaced or taken out after a certain amount of years? No, Jade, I'm glad you asked me that. That's a good question. A lot of people say they've got to be changed every 10 years. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Who said that? So they haven't got to be changed every 10 years. I don't think it's unreasonable to sort of have that in your mind that you might need to have it changed at 10 years. But at the same time, it's not like at 10 years, you've got to like, oh, hello, Jade, 10 years. Can you come and have your implants changed, please? You know, you don't have to have them changed 10, every 10 years. They're built to last forever. All the ones we use have got a lifetime warranty. The, the manufacturers make them so that they're, you know, they're supposed to last forever. They usually don't last forever. I'll be honest with you. You probably will need them changed at some point in your life, particularly if you're young. And so um, you should be aware of that. And the main thing you're going to need them changed for is catch the contracture, um, which is hardening of the implants. I guess the two things are capsule contracture and rupture. Rupture is less common. Uh, but capsular contracture is hardening. So rupture would be changing the shape and usually some kind of trauma. And capsular contracture is hardening of the implant. And you don't have to have it changed if they go hard. So they might go hard at 10 years, but that doesn't mean you have to have it changed. In fact, I always tell people the longer you leave it, the better. Because if you change it, you're going to get another capsular contracture because basically capsular contracture is just scar tissue. And if you change it, you have to cut all the old scar tissue out, which is the total capsulectomy, put a new implant in, which is a more traumatic operation than the first operation. So a capsular contracture comes quicker second time round. So you always want to delay your second operation as long as possible. So, uh, so the 10 years is, an, is a no-no. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be 10 years. If you've got a problem, then you might need to have them changed. And that can happen in five, six, seven, eight years, or it can happen at 15, 20 years. If you haven't got a problem, then they don't need to be changed. 
Um, I mean, I offer everybody a yearly appointment and I keep an eye on everybody in the clinic. Personally, I don't routinely scan uh, people uh, because I don't think they, that that's helpful in the absence of any um, symptoms or signs. So um, that's not where that's where I am at, on it, Jade. But obviously, if you've got implants in, I would say talk to your surgeon who put the implants in, etc. You know, because they might have a view on it, um, and it might it depends slightly dif different with the different types of implants. But uh, what I've just said is true about the capsulectomy and the capsules needing them change. But some implants I like to last longer than others. I heard that before ten years. Yeah. So if you've got, did you say you've got implants? I can't remember. I can't keep track. No, it was Tracy who's got implants in. But if you've got implants in, then don't worry that they've got to be changed every 10 years. If you haven't got implants in and you're thinking of having implants, then be aware that they might need to be changed every 10 years. I don't, you know, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that it's not written in stone. They have to be changed bang on 10 years. But be aware if you're young, you may well need another operation because they may well go hard in the future. Um, Tracy back in the house uh what's a good product to buy to help heal scars well healing scars tracy is there's nothing really that's particularly good at healing scars um most things heal with your body does it to be honest to be quite honest with you tracy we just keep them clean and put a dressing on it and the body does the job uh but but in terms of scar maturation so once it's healed so the scars usually healed in four to seven days but once the scars healed, then it can often be quite red and it can be quite firm and you might need things to help it to mature and soften, which is in the first, you know, three, six, maybe even 12 months. And for me, it's massage and moisturize. I don't particularly recommend any cream. I think we sell a cream, you know, a moisturizing cream, but there's nothing particular about that moisturizing cream. E45, Nivea, Aloe Vera aqueous cream you know if you've got a moisturizer that you normally use i would go with that and just a bit of pressure to moisturize and massage your scar so there's no particular thing that you can uh, particularly use that will help to heal or, or to, to mature the scars if you get a problem scar then that's slightly different so a problem scar would be something like a hypertrophic or a keloid scar which is a red raised unsightly scar so that's an abnormal scar so if you do get any signs of abnormal scarring red raised um lumpy firm then that's different there are things like silicone is is usually the first massage too can help but silicone often helps with those silicone sheets or gel i think some people use silicone sheets and gel on sort of normal scars i'm not sure what the evidence is for that i think that the evidence is stronger in the hypertrophic keloid scar arena because most sort of normal scars will settle on their own anyway although they take many months to do so um, but uh, problem scars you can get silicone products which is either a gel or a sheet but that's really re reserved for hypertrophic or keloid scars which are red raised scars and there are other things you can do for those types of scars but uh, most scars it's just moisturize and massage um, and keeping away from the sun because you don't want to get a sun on an active scar because otherwise you'll get pigment in it end up with a brown scar <clears throat> XHLSH heart mom. Sorry, what's the best to do first? Breast implant uplift or possible redo tummy tuck to sort out flabby mons out, then go and watch your program. XXL heart mom, don't worry about my program. <laughs> it's okay. To be honest, I've seen most of them. It's such a downer when it starts. Think, oh, I've seen this one. So don't worry about it. Um, I'm okay, to be honest about the program. Um, 
yeah, a lot of people say that. What's best to do, tummy or breast or whatever? Do you know what? It's what bothers you most. And I don't know if they I think this in my head. I don't often say it to patients, but I think in my head, what if you had a problem? What if you had a, what if you, so what's the problem? So you're looking at breast implant uplift or possible redo to sort out flabby mons. Let's say you'd had a redo flabby mons operation and you had some wound healing problems and it was all a bit of a nightmare. And, the anesthetic, and you thought, I don't have another anesthetic. I don't have another operation. Would you be really disappointed that you didn't get your breast implant uplift? And then flip it the other way and think, what if I did my breast implant uplift and had a really bad time? And I thought, I'm not having my mons flabby done. So think of it that way. Is So to basically whatever bothers you most. I don't think there's anything to say you should have your abdomen first or your breast first. I think it's whatever bothers you most. I would go with that one. I mean, you can have them both done together, you know, and maybe I'm not sure how much of an abdominal thing that involves with your mons because we are limited in terms of doing stuff both together. We can't be doing it on a case by case basis because um, we've got to limit the time in surgery. But but if you're having them done separately, there's there's no I've, I've got no view about you having one done. I would do the thing that's most troublesome first and then and then the other one, uh, whichever one that is. Oh, that's helpful. <clears throat> is that okay? Feel free to come back at me. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, you don't have to come back at me. That's all right. Oh, thank you. I'm talking to you tomorrow evening anyway. Oh, but what? <laughs> Good. No, I'm all for that. Um, as you can see, you know, let's bump up the questions. Definitely. Oh, well, I'll try and save something for tomorrow evening. And so I'm not um, try and give you something new. To, to, to think of so uh, good i have ts joined so um yeah so that's me if anyone's got any questions feel free to instagram me facebook me youtube me um don't have a go on youtube come on give me a break you know doing my best here no script unscripted it's all unscripted this you know gotta think on my feet um and I'll see you next week, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, uh, same time, same place. And uh, in the meantime, get yourself on Channel 17. Really, a bit of antiques road trip. Uh, I'm going to get myself over there. All right, cat, take it easy. Oh, sorry, my thumb's in there. Take it easy. Bye. End the video. Facebook, take it easy. Bye. Stop stopping the stream. A question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.